Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I hope you're ready for the ultimate sleep transformation as we dive into this two-part conversation on one of the most mysterious but powerful things your body does, sleep. Today, Dr. Gina Poe, director of UCLA's Sleep and Memory Lab, joins me to uncover the connection between sleep, memory, and peak performance. We're not just talking about catching some Zs here, we're talking about mastering your sleep and optimizing your ability to learn and process information to realize your brain's true potential. If you haven't experienced the magic of an actual good night's sleep on your memory and performance, stay tuned for part two. By the way, Impact Theory is now available on Amazon Music, so head over to Amazon Music to hear more Impact Theory episodes just like this, the conversations that really matter. Don't wait. Subscribe to Impact Theory now on Amazon Music and be legendary. I'm Tom Bilyeu, and welcome to Impact Theory. What is the relationship between sleep and learning, which is, I think, one of the most, certainly for me, one of the most important things? Yeah, you actually have to have sleep in order to consolidate the things that you've learned during the day and integrate the items into your schema of the world. And you also need sleep in order to refine what you know, um, reducing the power of things that you now know are not true in light of the new information, and to refresh your synaptic circuitry in your brain so that you can fit new things in the next day. Okay, so sleep is implicated both in memory retention and erasing memory. Yes. Talk to me about what is the importance of forgetting. So I I forget a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm very distressed by how much I forget. <laughs> but my wife will often say, I wish I had your brain mm. because I don't get hung up on things. Yeah. So even though it is like, I'm not kidding, it's somewhat traumatic for me, mm-hmm. the amount of information that I encounter versus what I retain, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I don't get stuck emotionally. Yeah. And I think you actually probably retain more than you think. You may not not to, how it feels, I'll yeah, tell you that. You may not be able to call it to mind um, the specific names of things, but I, be- I believe you've probably integrated these things into your schema and how you tell view people, the world. What, what is the schema exactly? So it's a kind of a loose term to see, say, how you view the world, how things fit into the story that you build in your brain of what the world is about. And so, for example, there's a schema we have of Christmas and what it involves. There's all kinds of pieces of information in that schema or um, a schema of what a university is or a schema of what a center of town looks like. Mm. And 
So we have things that may or may not be in any particular town, uh, but we have an idea of what a town center should look like. You know, so are you familiar yeah. at all with the idea of chunking? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like chunking. Okay, yeah. for people that don't know, explain what chunking is. Oh boy, I think you could probably explain it better than me, but it's it's a way to simplify the world by um, sticking related things together in a chunk as. Pretty good. Okay. Bang on the money. I think the idea comes from chess. Mm -hmm. So where a chess master will look at a board and he's not seeing the individual pieces. Mm -hmm. They just see that setup of yeah. where you are versus where I am mm -hmm. means that we're at this point in the game roughly mm -hmm. and that these moves have been played and these moves are yet to be played, mm -hmm. which is how they're able to play so many games at one time. I have a feeling, though, I'm certainly not an expert in this, that this is part of the problem that AI will face mm -hmm. as we try to get to general intelligence. Yeah. The thing that we call common sense, I have a feeling is is largely tied to not only the things you can infer, mm -hmm. but how much you can reduce something to a set of like Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly Christmas, mm -hmm. snow, mm -hmm. the glow of Christmas lights, mm -hmm. maybe a dude in a red coat, mm -hmm. cookies, you know, and it could be a lot of different things, but yet, there's some overarching organizational principle that we put things in. Yeah, so right. hearing you tie that to sleep, that we're constantly updating that schema. Yeah. Um, why is that so important? Well, I mean, what we learn throughout our lives um, changes us, and it should, because we are constantly evolving our knowledge um, as new things get known. We change where we live and we need to update our schema with the new place that's home instead of the old place. If we go to the old place and knock on that door or try and walk in, it would be bad, right? So we need to constantly update our schema with new information. And in fact, that does get harder as we get older because... To, just to update the schema. Just to update the schema. And possibly one of the reasons why that gets harder is because our sleep starts to... Mm degenerate, degrade a little bit. Now it's variable whose sleep gets worse at what age, but we do know that um, we wake up more often. We um, have fewer big, deep, slow waves of slow wave sleep. And uh, we are more prone to get sleep apnea, which was really makes us wake up a lot. Mm. And so our sleep just, the quality can get bad, and then the updating of our schema doesn't work as well. And that means that we can't learn new things as the world changes around us as as easily. So I would, Do you yeah. know, is, is it the breakdown of sleep that causes the breakdown of brain plasticity? Or is it just that the brain moves through phases, and when you're younger, you're super plastic, and as you get older, it just gets more and more rigid? That's a good question, and I don't think we know the answer to that yet. We do know a lot of things change with age and aging, but we don't know if they are linked to sleep. The two go hand in hand so much. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do know that those who have the worst cognition when they're older also have the worst sleep. Hmm. So again, it's if you maybe had correlation. To guess, yeah. which is causing which? Um maybe a ratchet-like progression, uh, but... It's a positive feedback loop. A positive feedback loop. So, But if you can arrest sleep de degradation, you could probably arrest dementia as well. Mm. Okay, that's very interesting. All right, mm -hmm. so then as we tease that apart, walk us through what are the phases of sleep? Right. Uh, and what 
are we doing in our lives that begin to disrupt those phases? Right. Um, so the first phase we go into when we're dozing is called stage one, and that's um, a lot of alpha in our brain, which is 8 to 11 hertz activity. And um, Is it a quieting down or a revving a, up of the mind? It's a, I guess it would be considered perhaps a quieting down. There's actually no change in neural activity, but mm. it's a change in pattern of activity. Um, so and, let me yeah, ask, yeah, sorry, and we'll, we'll, we will go through all of these stages, yeah. but I find this very interesting. So the brain doesn't end up conserving energy while we sleep, which would have Not been much. my sort of childhood thought yeah. is, mm-hmm. oh, my brain is going offline. Right. But is it, I'm assuming, the difference between conscious activity and subconscious activity, or even during the day, is my brain activity primarily subconscious? That's a difficult one. We don't really have a good physiological definition for what subconscious is. Interesting. Yeah. So um, I think our subconscious is working all day long uh, in terms of what we define as the subconsciousness, just thoughts and feelings and gut feelings and emotions that occur beneath our perception of how we feel or what we're thinking. Um, if I showed you a brain scan of somebody spaced out, yeah. they're totally in the default mode network, yeah. they're driving to work, but they're not really aware because mm-hmm. they've done it so many times. And I showed you a brain scan of somebody in phase one, maybe is mm-hmm. the closest. Would you be able to tell the difference? Like, is it obvious this person is daydreaming versus this person is sleeping? Yeah. Yeah. They're okay. different. Yeah. And even daydreaming, I mean, it depends on what you're daydreaming about, right? Um, What your brain is going to be doing, which parts of your brain are Mm. going to be activated. Interestingly, the very first research project I ever did before I was involved in brain research, I was just working in a research lab, uh, was for pilots who were flying a really difficult flight simulator at Northrop Mm. um, Aircraft Corporation. And these were really good test pilots. And we gave them really difficult problems to solve while they were flying, uh, flying the simulator. And then we'd freeze and blank out their screen and ask them questions about their awareness, their situational awareness, um, about how much fuel they had and all mm. of that, where the bogies were, uh, how far away they were from base. And, Uh, those that were doing the best had the most of this alpha rhythm, which is the dozing rhythm. So While flying? (laughs) Yes. The ones that were doing the best were the ones that were most relaxed in their brain pattern. And the ones that were doing the worst were the ones that looked most alert, awake, engaged, involved. Um, That's really interesting. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Now, would you call that the zone? Yeah. I think that's what you would call that. They were in the zone. <laughs> that's really interesting. So needless to say, I'm not a fighter pilot. Uh, I don't play professional sports, but I do play video games. And every now and then you find yourself in a position where you can just read the map effortlessly. Mm-hmm. You know where people are going to be. It feels so different. Mm-hmm. It feels awesome, first of all. Yeah. Your reflexes, your ability to just intuit where things are going to be happening at. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting that that most closely mimics the first stage of sleep. I would not have guessed that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. Okay, so stage one, we're in we're in an alpha yeah. wave phase, yep. uh, which you would liken to being more relaxed. Relaxed, yeah. Okay. But and we're we are asleep at that point. No, it's called stage one because it's a transition between wakefulness and sleep. Actually, 
we have found in my research lab that one of the things that turns off, one of the first things that turns off, quote unquote off, or changes mode is the hippocampus, which is involved with learning and memory. And that goes to sleep minutes before the rest of our brain does. Even though in the night, I'm going to be consolidating my memories. Yeah. So I, I say turned off, mm. but in fact, it's not turning off. It's just turning off to learning new things coming in from the outside world. Okay, so that was one of the questions I was yeah. going to ask you mm-hmm. later, but this now feels like the perfect time. Mm-hmm. Can we learn things at night? Could I play a calculus book and wake up uh, better at math? It, it would not be, no. Okay. <laughs> that would not be a good idea. Just there's nothing that you can do. If you you're sleeping, really, that's off. You really want to turn off to the outside world in order to consolidate the things that you learned all day long. Hmm. So there is a just like there's a time for everything, there's a season for everything, you want to turn off what's coming in from the outside world so that you can process what you already have. Interesting. I have a, a conundrum for you. Okay. I work a lot. Mm-hmm. While I love what I do, it can be very stressful. Mm-hmm. And in uh, the last few years, I have been working so much that it was just completely disrupting my sleep and mm. it was miserable. Mm. It would take me eight hours to get five hours of sleep. Wow. And it was really not fun. Mm-hmm. And there were times where if I was getting my hair cut, if mm-hmm. I stopped moving, mm-hmm. I would just yeah. start falling asleep. Yeah. Absolutely miserable. Mm-hmm. I hated it. Yeah. And I'm somebody who prioritizes sleep. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't have an alarm set, nothing. I'm mm-hmm. going to bed, but I just could not shut off my mm-hmm. brain. I couldn't get into that where I was, I felt relaxed enough to, to right. fall asleep or I would fall asleep, but then wake up mm-hmm. after one to two cycles mm-hmm. and then i would be awake mm-hmm. for two hours is about normal right and then so by the time i fell back asleep i just i did not feel good yeah. i was tired all the time so one day i don't even remember what made me try this i started listening to an audiobook mm-hmm. out like a light yeah i would wake up fall back mm-hmm. to sleep within 30 seconds mm-hmm. i mean just magically delicious right yeah mm-hmm. but i've got the outside world coming in yeah so it's not a pressing out so i think what that did that audiobook is it helped distract your mind from the loop it was in like mm. oh i've got to do this and this and oh, I, I did i tell somebody to do this or um so it distracts your mind from those alerting and alarming things that were keeping you awake mm. and instead let the trail of consciousness follow this story that wasn't going to affect you one way or another. And um, that was enough to allow your parasympathetic nervous system to relax as you relaxed and enjoyed the story. And then sleep could just take over. And I do the same thing. I don't do podcasts because I'm interested in every story. <laughs> um, I just I just play a kind of a mindless little video game on, you know, a math mm. video game. And your my... mind doesn't spark back up when you put that down and go to sleep? You know, um, no, you know, I just basically thank the video game for making me sleepy and just uh, I don't do a lot. I don't, you know, take my thing and walk to another room mm. and put it away. I just Set it down. lay it down. And sometimes I don't even get that far. I, falls onto my pillow (laughs) that's hilarious okay so stage one alpha relaxed we can begin to tune out the outside world Mm -hmm. and our alerting mind begins to quiet Mm -hmm. the hippocampus switches Switches. into some other internal mode mode. yep Mm -hmm. and 
could you can you actually see the hippocampus change its wave pattern electrical oh, pattern yeah. what do we yeah. is is it a wave pattern or an electrical it pattern it is a electrical wave pattern okay so yeah. same yeah got yeah. it okay and then how long are we in stage 1 so we're in stage one, just for a few minutes, you know, five minutes. Very quick. Yeah, yeah, very quick. And then we go into stage two, which has um, called K-complexes and spindles, which are bigger waves that where all the neurons are silent and then they're all active at the same time. And then spindles um, are a little buzz of activity that uh, come once every 10 seconds or so, and they last about one and half seconds, something like that. It's 10 to 15 cycles per second and it starts small and it builds up and then it goes small again. Unless you smoke weed and then you get these weird monster spindles yes. that we're unsure what they do, which will be something I'm sure we will get into later because yeah. I have a wife that likes to partake. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So the the brain is pulsing, mm -hmm. which is very interesting. That's Is that because of the need for the glial system to clean out? Yeah, that's actually mostly happening in the deeper stage of sleep, we call it Okay, deeper, so this is different. Yeah, this is stage three. So stage two is what we're talking about now. Which so is what's spindles. the pulsing then? So the K-complexes are, um, we don't know exactly. In, in animals, they are um, married to something that also starts during that state, which is called P waves. These are big, excitatory drives from inside of our own brainstem that go to our forebrain. So mm. um, K complexes and P waves may or may not, there's some controversy, be the same thing, but they're big glutamatergic drives. It also happens because our thalamus, which is our gateway of consciousness, it's kind of sitting right in the middle of our brain and allows the outside information to reach our cortex, it relays it, um, it starts to close and become more hyperpolarized, more negative. And what does that mean? I don't that understand. means so when, okay, so our neurons are electrical as well as chemical and the inside of the neuron is very negative related to the outside the, the electrical potential is very negative and when um, outside information comes in it's excitatory so it actually makes the inside of the cell more positive and then when it gets to a threshold when it gets so positive it gets to a threshold which is negative 55 millivolts then it fires an action potential a whole lot of things that are voltage dependent um, open up. So sodium channels open, allow a lot of sodium to come in to really depolarize. And that's called an action potential. And those, each one of those are the ways one neuron communicates with the next neuron and how our whole brain works together and why we can see these electrical patterns. Uh, because the more neurons that are involved in firing at the same time, the more our electrodes that are out here on, on our skull can see this positive potential go by. And then as they're all filing silent and becoming negative together, you can see this negative potential. And mm. so, um, is, yeah. do you, uh, so if you had mm -hmm. to guess, mm -hmm. is there a metronome effect going on? Is it trying to synchronize something? It's, um, it is kind of like a metronome in that it's also a positive feedback. So you have the, all the neurons firing at the same time. And then there's a bunch of other things happen once they fire. They, there are things that close that are 
deactivated and then everything becomes negative together and then when it becomes negative enough there are other voltage dependent channels that mm. open and all becomes positive and then do we have this kind of synchronicity when we're awake in some places yeah for example if you're walking or doing mm. anything rhythmic moving your body there's a lot of synchronicity in your spinal cord that allows that to be a rhythmic and normal movement fishes swimming mm. um, So interesting, but we don't yet know why that metronome is going off. We don't, but when I started 30-something years ago, we really didn't. We thought maybe it was just something that was a signature of something else going on. Mm. But now we know that actually that synchronous firing and synchronous silence that happens during this non-REM, we call it non-REM stage of sleep, could be the thing that actually cleans our brain. Hmm. And these P waves, these big excitatory P waves, target a different part of our brain than our thalamus during wakefulness targets. And the part of the brain that it targets is uh, out in the parts of the brain that form our schema, Hmm. where cortex talks to cortex instead of outside world talking to And this is coming from the brainstem. Comes from the brainstem. The excitatory urge comes from the brainstem, and it targets out these um, cortical, cortical connection. Okay, points. so I imagine this is very conserved over evolution. Yeah, it appears to be. Um, yeah, zebrafish. Uh, we there are animals that don't have much of a cortex, but they still have sleep. <laughs> mm, that's really interesting. So there's probably something very ancient, very primordial that this is going to end up being tied to versus something in the neocortex, which is more a higher level cognition. Mm-hmm. Probably not memory. <laughs> so guessing here, or a, would it be because I guess every animal would need to go? Hey, I learned this. Food is here. This movement worked. Yeah. That thing's a predator. Yeah. Okay. So even fruit flies completely uh, false on my part. Well, no, no. I mean, they. It may. The reason why we can't measure these same brainwave activities through to a, in a fruit fly is because even though they have a lot of neurons that help them move and interact with the world. They're not layered in the same way. So in our cortex, all the neurons are lined up, kind of, and then it, these electrical potentials that I'm talking about work like a battery. You know, you um, when the battery is lined up the right way, you can see the electrical potential. Mm. But if they're all jumbled relative to one another, even though they might all be firing and silent at the same time, the the way that the electricity is flowing is this way and this neuron and this way and that neuron and waves cancel each other out. Mm. So we can't see it. But right. Okay. So <laughs> that's stage two. Mm-hmm. Um, is What stage is memory consolidation happening versus forgetting? I assume they're at different stages. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that stage two is part of consolidation. Those big excitatory waves and those sleep spindles where is where our cortex is telling other parts of our cortex or our hippocampus, which is kind of the short-term memory structure, is telling our cortex, hey, this is what I learned today mm. and, and teaching it. Um, and so that happens in that stage two. In stage three, uh, that's when we have those big slow waves that sweep through regularly. Stage two, we have those K complexes, which are big waves, but they come you know, once every 10 seconds or so. And sleep spindles, which come once every 10 seconds or so. But in that deep, slow-wave stage of sleep, um, they're coming all the time. They're still 
each one comes once a second or so, but, um, but that's probably where they're all firing together and they're all quiet together. And that's creates when a neuron fires, not only these are electricity and neurochemicals that are released, but also when it fires, when all the sodium is rushing into the cell, the cell expands because mm-hmm. it brings water with it. And so it's actually all the cells are expanding and contracting at the same time, which could create a pump uh, like action, pumping out the debris and the waste into our lymphatic system to clean our brain. Mm. And that, so, yeah, that is probably one of the functions. One of of functions. stage three specifically? Yeah, of stage three specifically. Okay, so when we think about neurodegenerative diseases, mm-hmm. um, you hear a lot about uh, beta amyloid plaques building up, tau proteins, things like yeah. that. One, where do those come from? And B, it seems like, because I know we were talking earlier, but also knowing your research, that as we get into like really bad neurodegenerative diseases, mm-hmm. they're also going to massive sleep disruption. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what, what are the amyloid plaques? What are the tau proteins? Yeah. Why do they matter? Why do we have to clean them out every night? Yeah. Do they serve a function? Or yeah. Are they all bad? Like No, no, no. We need them. We we couldn't survive or learn or do well without them. It's kind of like, I guess, I, you could sort of think of it as making the mess on our desk as we work during the day, right? And um, we need that to do the business that we're doing, but we also need to clean it up mm. um, every night so that the next day we can come in and be organized and efficient and know where things are. So, um, So it's a normal part of being awake is phosphorylating this tau and it helps us to carry things where they need to go um same with amyloid proteins we have to have them but it's when they become a mess <laughs> misfolded and um, a mess that if we don't clean it up it starts to gunk up our office of our brain mm. and then we can't find anything and um our neurons aren't working like they're supposed to becomes less and less efficient. That stuff is very interesting to me, mm-hmm. especially uh, as it relates to metabolic disease mm-hmm. and whether Alzheimer's is metabolic disease in the brain. I'm mm-hmm. curious, um, before we get into stage four, how much of what's going on in here is tied to metabolism? Because I know if you mess up your sleep, mm-hmm. you're going to notice it immediately in your metabolic response. It really is the first thing that gets messed up is mm-hmm. your metabolism. And you get... Four in the morning, you get hungry for junk food because your body says, ah, I'm not efficiently processing, you know, energy anymore and I need more of it. So the, one of the first things that happens when we go to sleep is we convert the free adenosine that's been freed um, through the process of, of um, metabolism. Mm. Um, it gets built back into ATP, which are these packets of energy that um, our whole body uses. So... That is a very important part. And when we sleep deprive ourselves, uh, our adenosine builds up and up and up and up the longer we're awake. That's what caffeine does. It blocks the receptors for those adenosine. So we don't know how long we've been awake and mm. we don't feel the signal that we're sleepy. But it doesn't, caffeine doesn't help us to change free adenosine back to ATP. And that happens very slowly and inefficiently when we're awake, but really well and quickly when we're asleep. Hmm, that's interesting. So basically, mm-hmm. you're, is is the adenosine like a hormone where the body's like, I, I'm going to do this because I need you to go back to sleep. And mm-hmm. so it's just sort of a clock and it just produces it and it knows, ah, 
you'll hit this yeah. sense that I must go to sleep and yeah. then cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Like it's done its job. I'm going to take it all back right. and then, okay, you're awake and I'm going to pump yeah. it back out. Or does it have some other function and sleep well, is just a byproduct? It's, it's freed up because of the process of energy use. So um, ATP, adenosine triphosphate, when we... Um, Utilize the ATP, it basically kicks that off. It kicks that off. Interesting. And the next, and then it goes from triphosphate to diphosphate to monophosphate to to just free adenosine. And then we grab it again and and reattach it it to ATP. Wow. Mitochondria are working hard to talk about a very simple thing that I've never put together. (laughs) Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, That's why power naps are power naps. (laughs) Because you can quickly grab some of that free adenosine, turn it into ATP. That is so interesting. Okay, that makes a (laughs) lot of sense. And better than a cup of coffee because it's actually building back our energy. When it comes to platforms that will help you run a business, there is no shortage of options on the market. But if you want to use the best, most advanced, and most efficient platform out there, you need to be using Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. With award-winning customer service, the internet's highest converting checkout page, and a suite of integrated AI tools, Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy to start, run, and grow a business. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly use Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash impact right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash impact. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. 
If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride. Because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with ebay motors brake kits led headlights exhaust kits turbochargers bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Okay, so the cup of coffee is bamboozling you mm-hmm. so you don't feel that you're tired, yeah. but the power nap is actually creating ATP with the free adenosine. So yes. you're lowering the level that tells you that you're tired. Yes. And you're actually producing energy. Yeah. Very interesting. But I also know that you've talked about that some people naps don't work. Yeah. So why? That seems weird. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know yet. Um, it's also true that some people don't get all of the health benefits of exercise. There are just hmm. a variety of Say people what? out there. Yeah, I know. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah. Some people, you know, they can exercise all they want. They could train for a marathon and they're, they're it's not doing the repair and benefits for the body at other people. Wow. Does. So. That's really interesting. I should not be surprised. Everything, we're so individualized. Yeah, different from one another. But that is horrifying to think that you could be doing all of that because I absolutely despise working out. Uh, you could be doing all that work and not seeing all of the benefit. I'm sure you get some, but yeah, I'm sure you get it's some. very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's more to go into there, but I, I think it's probably better to wrap up stage four and then yeah. we can sort of circle back and get into some of these things, especially what we can do to optimize this stuff. Right. Um, so What's stage, stage three, stage four, they're really the same thing. They've been collapsed into one because um, so really you guys degrees. don't talk about four stages anymore. Oh no, the fourth stage being REM sleep, but it's not okay. called stage four; it's just called REM. Interesting. <laughs> Rapid eye movement sleep. Yeah. So you're still technically in stage three. No, you've just completely switched out of stage three, hmm. and you're in a completely thing entirely. REM sleep is also called paradoxical sleep because our cortex looks like we're awake and there's so much activity. Is that why it's not considered stage four? It's just yeah. so different? Yeah. Stage one, two, three are all kind of sort of degrees of depth. Our, our thalamus, that thalamic gate becomes less and less aware of the world outside mm. of us. Um, I don't know. That's maybe a misnomer too. It's not even stage two and stage three are so different from one another too in terms of what neurotransmitters are there and what's not there. So we did say, oh, this is how you're marching into sleep. But in fact, we now know um, as of recently that stage two and stage three are entirely different, as different from one another as wakefulness is from any other state of Whoa. sleep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. unexpected. Yeah. 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 Okay, and then stage four is it's, different than all of them. Yeah. And it looks REM. like we're more wakeful. So yeah. describe what is going on in REM. Yeah. Why is it so weird? Mm-hmm. Why do we dream? I mean, this is yeah. 
The weird one for me. Right. We're, again, closed to the outside world. Instead, we're internally generating uh, our own reality. And that reality is unreal. You know, it's some things that can't happen in the outside world. What we do know is we are generating an internal state, this dream state, all of these dreams. And what those dreams allow us to do is things that we can't do during wakefulness, fly or... um, um, you know, become monsters or fight monsters or um, play out all kinds of scenarios in fast kind of forward motion that we can't do. And if we did, we might put ourselves at risk. But because we're safe in our beds, um, not acting out our dreams, we can safely do these things. And so, um, yeah, so it helps our brain to expand and be imaginative and work through complicated problems and put things together that don't make any sense during wakefulness when our logic and judgment and decision-making brain is, you know, reigns, well, hopefully reigns. Instead, we can play out all kinds of crazy scenarios that may allow us to put things together that we wouldn't otherwise. That's very interesting. So is, are you saying that your hypothesis is that by having what I'll call a narrative component, I don't know if you'd use those words, Mm -hmm. but by having a narrative component, Mm -hmm. we go into a more creative state Mm -hmm. where we can connect ideas Mm -hmm. that somehow when we wake is going to be useful? Well, yeah. So that's the really cool thing about this dream state is our brains are learning. We are, it's learning from itself. In the dream state. In the dream state, we are learning and our brain is learning from itself. But not in the way that I'm consolidating memories and quote unquote learning. This is a different type of learning. It's, it's, it's an, it's, you're creating new knowledge, Mm -hmm. but from things you already know. Uh, well, we can measure the, synapses and the synaptic strengths and which synapses are strengthened and which are weakened. Interesting. So mm-hmm. I'm when you say learning, you mean mechanistically. Yeah. Neurons are wiring together yeah. in the same way that they would if I were yeah. to learn a math problem or how to solve a math problem. Yeah. And those neurons would be strengthened. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really powerful. They call it plastic state. Uh, hmm. So it's just as plastic as when we're most alert and wait, learning the best in during the daytime. Um, but the one thing that you can do during that dream state you can't do during wakefulness is you can do erasure. So you can delete and eliminate pathways that no longer work for us or are redundant. And that happens during REM. Only during REM sleep. Yeah. I don't understand why that would happen while I'm telling myself some acid induced, (laughs) bizarro narrative. I mean, I don't remember many of my dreams, Mm -hmm. but the one I remember, they're so weird Mm -hmm. that I'm just like, yeah, how is this the time and place that I'm going? Hey, you know, that thing, you don't use that anymore. Let's prune that out. Do we have any sense of why those two happen at the same time? Yeah, I think it's because, um, well, one thing that needs to happen is we need to we need to prune those redundant pieces of information away. Otherwise, we would just saturate our brains with irrelevant pieces of information and even wrong things that we should tag at least to say, yes, I used to believe this, but now I know it's wrong. Mm. Um, so it's REM sleep that you can reduce the weight of those things. So it's not the first thing you think of when... You know, someone asks you, you know, where did you park your car yesterday? It's, um, or last night, it's not the place you parked it last week or the month before. 
it's where you parked it yesterday. So you need to prune those things away so so you know what's current and what's here now. So it's the novelty encoding parts of your brain that needs that get pruned. And the reason why that's possible is because that's the state in which a brainstem area called the locus cerullus, which provides norepinephrine, another word for it is noradrenaline to our brain, that only lets us, it only puts us in the go mode. It only puts mm. us in the strengthen, strengthen, strengthen. When we're awake, when we're asleep, it's gone. And so that's the only time and during REM sleep, it's when it's really gone. And you can say yes to these things and no to these things. Be selective. It's kind of like, you know, during the daytime, you you have a housewarming party and your guests are bringing all kinds of things into your house, right? House plants and, and dishes and all of that. And yes, you accept all of these things when you're awake, um, but you unwrap them in your, um, when you build proteins in that stage two and stage three sleep. And then during REM sleep, you put them where they go and you throw out the things that they replace. Mm. These new things replace. Man, this is so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I have a hypothesis for you. Okay. Let me know. This is going to be mm-hmm. so absurd, but I love talking to people that really know their stuff. So okay. you can correct me where I go wrong. Uh, when I'm teaching students about business, yeah. I'm always trying to get them to understand that you have all these dots, mm-hmm. uh, your market, what you're trying to sell them, what you think they want, mm-hmm. how you think you're going to get there, the state of the economy, all, all this stuff. And your job is to connect those dots with a narrative, mm-hmm. which I'll call your schema mm-hmm. for how to move your business forward. Right. The problem is the only thing I can tell you is that your schema is wrong, mm-hmm. but you need one in order to move forward with conviction. Yeah. And if you don't move forward with conviction, then you'll fall prey to what most businesses fall prey to, which is doing nothing is the only sin. Mm-hmm. So if you do nothing, you'll get bowled over by all the other people that find a way to move forward with yeah. like real conviction. Yeah. And so when you are getting your team on board, you're going to only talk narrative. You're going to talk about how the dots connect. But when you're alone, you need to come back out to just dots (laughs) and see if there's another way to connect these in a more efficient narrative. Yeah. And so getting them to understand the brain is a predictive engine. Mm -hmm. And when you are able to predict the outcome of your behaviors, you're closer to ground truth. When you can't predict the outcome of your behaviors, you have a flaw in the model. Yeah. Man, I'm grasping at straws here, but this makes a lot of internal sense to me that if in the REM state, what my brain is doing is going, your schema is held together with this narrative. Yeah. But for a minute, I need to come back out to just dots. Mm -hmm. There's no logic. Mm -hmm. And so when I hit that point where it's just dots, I'm having these weird dreams. Like I had a dream once where it was raining corpses. Mm. No idea what that meant. Uh Um, but I'm I'm back out to yeah. there's there's no coherent logical cohesion between these. Right. But my brain is now removing things that haven't been serving me. Yeah. And then is going to reconsolidate all this back into a updated yes. schema when I wake. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's you got really it. really <laughs> interesting. If that holds true, mm-hmm. like that really makes sense to me from just how the world works. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So now talk to me. Is there a correlation between either or both schizophrenia and a dreamlike state or psychedelics and a dreamlike state? Yeah. Yes. The answer is yes. Um, So schizophrenia is long interested sleep researchers because it's the hallucinations are so Mm. much like 
what hallucinations we experience when we're dreaming. And so it was thought to be a, a dreamlike state, right? Um, interestingly, the only real difference that you can see in the brains of people with schizophrenia, well, there are two things. One is during wakefulness, your gamma, which is the cortical cortical connectivity is slightly different in frequency. It's just, it changes a little bit, almost as though we're being more driven by an internal cortical cortical connection like we are during REM sleep. Hmm. And then the second is um, we don't have those beautiful sleep spindles that I talked about. So people explain yeah. to people. So yeah. spindles are way too connected to intelligence. Yeah. I always get very uneasy with stuff like this, yeah. or I want to know, can I, can I yeah. somehow make more of them? Like <laughs> right. Well, the reason why you probably get uncomfortable is because we don't really have a good grasp of what intelligence is. Mm. We just, um, we know there are different kinds of intelligences and we know that our ways of testing them are very, very flawed, but but intelligence is, broadly speaking, what you talked about earlier, which is a way to as, uh, absorb information, process it, form a schema, mm. and use that schema um, the next time you encounter the world. So it's a way to um, use what you know in a very efficient fashion, perhaps, is the way you could think about it. If you had to guess, mm -hmm. if you could turn a dial and increase the amount of spindles that somebody has, yeah. would they get smarter? <laughs> it, it's, yeah, I, okay, yes. <laughs> However, <laughs> let me qualify that. It's not just spindles. Like you said, mm. cannabis you know, increases the length of spindles and can almost replace all of REM sleep with spindles. Mm. But it's what's going on during those spindles. The timing is everything. So it's when neurons fire in relation to spindles. It's the neurochemicals that are present or absent during spindles that allows us to reshape our schema. Mm. And so, um, so it's not just the rhythm itself. It's what's going on in the background of that rhythm or on top of those rhythms or because of those rhythms. Um, that's, that's the important thing. So... I I think I'm, I'm a little wary of devices, for example, that's going to externally cause your brain to to fire in a 10 to 15 hertz spindle fashion, because if the rest of your brain isn't doing what it's supposed to do, it's right. not in the state it's supposed to be in, it's not going to do you any good. And in fact, it probably could do more harm than good. So. Interesting. I've heard you talk about that, that, mm -hmm. you know, the brain, one, the systems are never that simple. It's like there's redundancies in the sy mm -hmm. systems and uh, depending on context, it could be doing, seeming to do the same thing, but in fact, it's actually doing the reverse. Yeah. And yeah. so all very, very complicated, but going back to schizophrenia Good, and psychedelics. Yeah. Um, so what have we found? Is it a dreamlike state? And that's why they're hallucinating and the wires are just getting crossed or... I think it might be a dreamlike state because that stage two sleep spindle state isn't doing what needs to happen, which is updating your schema with the information that you learn during the day. So why would that result in hallucinations? So, yeah, I, I just had a really fascinating conversation with an undergraduate at UCLA who's really interested in schizophrenia mm. and sleep. And it might be that your distal cortical cortical communication 
is happening without instruction. So it's without that instruction, say, where the hippocampus can tell the brain, this is what we learned today. This is now we got to tag this with false. And this is true. And we've got to refresh. And all of that happening during that those sleep spindles, when the cortex is teaching the I mean, the hippocampus is teaching the cortex, what it knows. Instead, you're staying in perhaps a REM like state in that you're doing all of these free associations, you're backing out, you see the dots and not the schema anymore, like you said. Mm. And uh, but that's happening without the organization step of this is what I've learned today mm. first. So um, so the yeah. brain is talking to itself, but the brain doesn't recognize I'm talking to myself. Yeah. And so it's misinterpreting this is a signal coming from the outside yeah. when in reality it's a signal coming from the inside. Yeah, yeah. I, I had, that was the latest revelation that I had um, with this undergraduate. It's people with schizophrenia, the more schizotypic they are, the more they can tickle themselves. And, you know, that's revelatory. Explain that, what that means. Well, because we can't tickle ourselves because when we do this to ourselves, we are, we have what's called an efference copy. So our brain, our motor cortex says, I'm about to, I'm doing this, I'm getting close to my shoulder and we can expect it. And the thing about tickles that it's an unexpected, well, one of the things about tickles, it's unexpected. And so, um, so we can't, but if you don't have that feedback wow. from the outside, your brain telling you this is coming from inside of me and not from the outside. That gave me the chills. Can, yeah, isn't that amazing? Wow. So mm -hmm. the, they can tickle themselves. Mm -hmm. So they have completely lost track. Is this inside or outside? Mm -hmm. Whoa. Do we have any sense of how you reestablish that connection? I, that, that's a microcircuit question. And mm. that's something that my lab is also looking to in a lot of other labs too. But, uh, so there are sort of two compartments of our neurons, the, the, uh, that are listening to the outside world. Uh, so one, the proximal compartment that's really close to the cell body is where the outside world talks to our, our cortex and puts that new information. And then the distal, um, parts of the antenna, which are called dendrites, are where the cortical cortical information comes in. And normally when we're awake, our whole brain chemistry waits um, things to be more attuned to what's coming in from the outside world. And yes, there can be definitely, thankfully, uh, some modification of that based on our schema um, and the distal dendrites information where cortex is talking to cortex. But mostly the, the two compartments are very separated from one another. They're physically separated from another. Mm. They're chemically separated from another. They're anatomically connect, connectivity wise separate from each other. And, um, and then during sleep, during this REM state and the spindle state, we switch from that internally or that externally focused novelty encoding, uh, proximal close to the cell body. Um, circuit to paying more attention to what's going on from um, in the distal cortical cortical circuit. And so, um, and what mitigates that, what switches us from this to that is things called interneurons, which are inhibitory interneurons, which during wakefulness kind of inhibit um, that cortical cortical input. Mm. Um, 
to some degree in a, in a very regulated and rhythmic fashion. Um, that's what sets up that gamma rhythm that I talked about um, that's different in people with schizophrenia mm. is these interneurons. And it's really these interneurons that seem to not be as viable in people with schizophrenia. Mm. So if somehow you can restore the health of these interneurons and restore how they're connected with the circuit, they can switch us from external to internal in a fashion that makes sense with what's actually going on in the world around us. And have we seen any impact on diet? Is anybody looking at that? <sighs> of course, diet affects everything. <laughs> mm. You know, neurotransmitters yeah. um, are, and the cofactors, the coenzymes are all part of that. I don't know myself of any studies about diet, but one thing that will definitely cause people with schizophrenia or the tendency to have schizophrenia to tip them over into a break is alcohol. Um, and Doesn't weed also have, I've heard people yeah. say like, yo, yo, yeah, yeah. be very careful. Yeah. And it's probably because it's messing up with those sleep spindles that we mm. talked about and what's exactly going on. Is that what alcohol on. is doing? Alcohol, no. Alcohol inhibits the um, stage. It, 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 interferes with our sleep. It, it makes our sleep not do what it's supposed to do. So during those deep slow waves of slow wave sleep, uh, the timing of things isn't right. The mm. alcohol affects our interneurons big time. It's a GABA agonist, which is an, the neurotransmitter that interneurons use. And so it falsely clamps things down when they shouldn't be clamped down. Mm. It takes our forebrain off line, which is why we become so say it's part of the fun. Yeah, but, part of the fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so and and so it interferes with our sleep. And I think if your sleep is already compromised when you have schizophrenia, you don't have good sleep spindles mm. in the first place, it might be that you're able to hang on to reality just barely, tooth and nail, by the few sleep spindles that you get, and then alcohol wipes those out. Mm. And so then you go from from the edge of barely hanging on to tip over to the side of um, hallucinations and all That's the positive That's so symptoms. interesting. This is a random side note, mm -hmm. but um, I had a friend, have a friend, mm -hmm. whose brother mm -hmm. is paranoid schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. And he said he spent like a year, he had to move back home, spent a year tracking his brother down, finally found him. Oh, his wow. brother was convinced like the French or Italian government were after him. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, running from like underpass to underpass, mm -hmm. trying to like keep away from the satellites, wow. being able to read his mind. Wow. Well, wait, though, it gets mm -hmm. stranger. Mm -hmm. uh, he finds his brother, gets him on back on his medication. Yeah. His brother then develops secondary depression. Mm -hmm. And while taking the medication is able to explain this is less fun mm -hmm. than being a paranoid schizophrenic mm -hmm. because at least then I mattered. Mm -hmm. Then like the governments were after me. Mm -hmm. I was like of central importance right. and every day my life mattered and I was running. Right. He stops taking his medication and, and right. goes back onto the street. Right. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like there, the, the brain is complicated. Yeah. And to think that, I mean, look, it, clearly is there's something just misfiring it's mm -hmm. it's not working the way that it should yeah but i kind of got what he was saying oh i was absolutely. like wow yeah to feel like i i matter more than anybody else yeah. and like everything is about me right. and governments are after me right i was like 
there that's spy versus yeah. spy. It's yeah, yeah. I don't think we as humans need to matter to the whole world. We just need yeah, to matter. Yeah, look, I'm to not somebody. trying to celebrate or <laughs> no, say no, that no. schizophrenia sounds amazing. Not no, at no, all. No, no, but I think this but touches on a very basic human need, which is that we need to matter to one another. Mm. We need to matter to somebody. And I think that's as a parent, that's the best thing we can give our child is the knowledge that we matter. We matter to them at mm. least and that we can make a difference in the world, that our actions matter, that you know we can make the world a better place and that they hope and expect us to do that. And so that connection between it, I mean, uh, we are social animals. And just like other social animals, we're not the only social animals in the world. There are lots mm. of social animals. We need our clan. We need each other. And when we feel like we don't matter and nobody cares, depression definitely sets in. Mm. I think this was a major problem during the pandemic when we were isolated from each other, especially those people who lived alone. I mean, yeah. wow, that's we are social animals. That is a fundamental part of who we are. Thank God for the telephone. Thank God mm. for Zoom. Thank God for that we could at least see each other in some way um, and tell each other that we matter to one another. But I, I totally get what this friend of yours or this, you know, felt. That's um, crazy. Yeah. we And I think that may be way, one way to help people stay on their meds is let them know that they do matter. Mm. Show them that they do matter. That's really well said. Even if they're not the central of this central you know, of character of this, conspiracy. yeah, of this big government conspiracy. If you matter to somebody, your nieces and nephews, you know, your brothers mm. and sisters, your mother and father, I think that could, that can make the difference. All right. Let's go dark for a second. All right. If we had to break somebody, like mm -hmm. really break them, isolate them or deprive them of sleep. Uh, I think sleep would do it faster. <laughs> mm. Can you kill somebody yeah. by not letting them sleep? Yeah. That's bananas. Yeah. Well, How because long does it's, it take? Oh, gosh. No one's <laughs> ever done, well, but I know of in humans. Um, in other mammals, it's five weeks, something Whoa. like that. Whoa. Mm. I can't. That does not sound fun. No. So what ends up happening? What's the mechanism by which you end up breaking? It's um, because sleep has so many functions. It's not even clear mm. what what the mechanism is. But do they get organ failure? Um, yeah, yeah, multiple organ failure, mm. immune system degeneration, lesions, um, sepsis, um, all kinds of different things uh, would kill you just kind of, kind of actually kind of like covid and mm. other very bad viruses um they target different organs depending on who you are and what state they're in so um so sleep deprivation will target different organs and where you're most vulnerable will be the one that that hurts you fastest. wow what what does that process look like because you don't go from I'm a little tired too. I'm dead. Mm -hmm. Like, do they start hallucinating? Do they start, um, just like, well, people will. I mean, people have self deprived or mm. have been unfortunately deprived of sleep and hallucinations are part of it. Yeah. Um, hunger, uh, your metabolism goes haywire and you get super hungry and you'll continue to lose weight. Um, you'll lose weight. It with long-term sleep deprivation, yeah. Even if you're eating, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Um, so there was one women's magazine who talked to this researcher and said, "Hey, you know, even though I could eat whatever I want and oh, still God. lose weight if I lose," and he said, "No, but you'll be ugly." <laughs> 
because your skin doesn't, you know, refresh oh, Jesus, and renew. I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, you'll be cranky and and just not look good, not feel good. It's 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 not a good thing. Um, and then type two diabetes, insulin regulation goes haywire. One night of full sleep deprivation will set you on the path toward type two diabetes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you want to get your sleep. No um, joke. Yeah, I think actually probably the Nobel Prize winning discovery about the function of sleep being that it's important for every every single living creature is that um, it's it's metabolism. I think it's the mitochondria and the hmm. repair of the mitochondria. Is that you're saying that will happen? I will. I think. Yeah, I know a few researchers that are looking to sleep in mitochondria, and I think mm. that's that's the, where the money is. I mean, cognition. Yes, we all want to learn better and understand better. But I think the essential life-sustaining function of sleep has to do with energy. If you're someone who loves a perfectly cooked steak and wants to get that flawless sear and delicious crust at home, then you have to check out this grill everybody's talking about, the Schwank Grill. It uses the exact same infrared technology that top steakhouses around the world use to get that golden brown crust on the outside and that tender juiciness on the inside. Just recording this makes me want to go make one. This portable outdoor Schwank Grill heats up to 1,500 degrees, allowing you to grill the juiciest steak you ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Plus, cooked chicken wings, hamburgers, lobster tails, salmon, even pizza, and more in just minutes. And the Schwank Grill is made in the USA and is portable so you can use it camping, tailgating, and in your own backyard. This is truly the future of grilling. Just visit schwankgrills.com and use promo code IMPACT to get $150 off a Schwank grill. That's Schwank, baby. S-C-H-W-A-N-K grills.com and use code IMPACT and get $150 off a Schwank grill. If you strive to perform your best in life, bringing your energy and abilities into everything you do, then it only makes sense that you would want to be out on the road with that same power, agility, and performance that everyone expects from you. And there's no better option than the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable SUV yet, the third-generation Range Rover Sport. You guys know I love staying on the cutting edge with technology, and the Range Rover Sport's cabin features advanced technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, a must, offering you and your family and friends new levels of comfort and refinement while traveling. The Range Rover Sport provides an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and redefines sporting luxury for the power, agility, and performance you demand in every area of your life. Explore the Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So knowing the little bit about mitochondria that I know, they mm -hmm. have their own DNA. Mm -hmm. Uh, what's going on at the level of sleep 
that would impact this little organelle yeah. that should have its own mm-hmm. setup and yeah. its own system. It, it repairs itself. It repairs so itself. So why obviously. why does my, my uh-huh. <laughs> as if I could exist without them, yeah. but why does my sleep affect mitochondria so profoundly that you see a Nobel Prize coming? Yeah, well, okay, so... Think of think of sleep as I, I think of it as a washing machine. Um, if you don't, or if you don't clean your clothes, ultimately they'll get gunked up, heavy, mm. dirty. Won't do their won't do their insulation function. They won't help you um, function. If you get sleep, but it's messed up. Um, it's like putting your clothes in the washing machine, but interrupting the cycle, um, mm. putting on the clothes soaking wet or whatever. So one of the functions of sleep is to actually repair our DNA. And if we can't do that when we're awake, we just can't. So we need to put it in the washing machine and we need to do the things that we do. So DNA repair isn't happening like at all times? Um, it's primarily not, at night? Well, no. Interesting. Yeah. So I understand how the brain cleans itself mm-hmm. with that, the pump that you're talking about yeah. where I'm basically expanding and contrasting. Yeah. And when I contract, mm-hmm. it it's um, pulling things in. And mm-hmm. then when I expand, it's letting everything mm-hmm. wash out. Yeah. So that I get how there's a me- mechanistic mm-hmm. thing and that I could only do that mm-hmm. when I basically put my body down so mm-hmm. that I'm not going to fall off something or whatever while right. my brain is going through the cycle. Mm-hmm. But at the DNA cellular level, mm-hmm. is there some resource that the cell has to do while it's awake? And that it stops doing it. Yeah, then? there's. It's like, like again, like the washing machine. There are things that need to be coordinated and together and mm, timed well. That metronome. Yeah, it really is. It's it's timing is everything. <laughs> um, so things are happening during waking that allows wakefulness to be waking, like norepinephrine uh, allows us to be alert and awake and attending to the outside world, um, and in. And when it's present while we sleep, which happens sometimes um, in insomnia, uh, especially stress-related insomnia, you can have sleep, but your norepinephrine system is still going, post-traumatic mm. stress disorder also. Um, your, your sleep, all of the elements that need to be there to do the job efficiently aren't there, or mm. things are in the way, they're in the way that shouldn't be in the way, so it's less efficient and doing its job less well. Okay, so now going back to mitochondria Mm -hmm. and the energy system, um, sleep playing a primary role in that. Mm -hmm. So I've heard people say that fat loss happens at night. Mm -hmm. You think it happens when you're exercising, but in reality it doesn't. Mm -hmm. What what do you think is going on with the energy system at night that is so profoundly important? Well, I actually don't know, and that's why I think it's in the future. I love some guesses. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So guessing, there are different things. um, Neurohormones, cortisol, growth hormone, all of these things change with the sleep-wake cycle and with the circadian cycle. So again, it's also better to go to sleep when your circadian cycle and your um, sleep needs are are joined at the same time. Mm-hmm. So better to sleep at night um, and expose ourselves to light during the day to help coordinate our circadian and sleep needs together. Um, so... Growth hormone is one of those things that gets released in a big bolus when we're asleep at the right time. Mm. And if we miss that 
we won't have that big bolus of growth hormone. And a big bolus does a different thing than eking out over time. So even if it was the same amount mm -hmm. over a 24-hour period, very different impact yeah. than the same amount yeah. primarily over an eight-ish hour period. Yeah, and you can understand that because, for example, the reproductive cycle um, also depends on boluses of hormones being released at the right time. If you get a bolus released at a time when the rest of your system isn't ready, it won't produce a fer you know a fer fertile situation. Mm. And um, and if instead of a bolus, you just eke out a little bit all the time, you also won't develop the follicle and release the egg, mm. that sort of thing. So there's a difference in a bolus versus just a little bit over time. Mm. That, um, yeah, and it has to be done in a coordinated fashion. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. coordination thing that's coming up a lot. Yeah. I had never really thought about that before. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Mm. Take the body offline, coordinate everything mm. all at once. Mm. Hey, quick, quick, quick. It's kind of like uh, Disneyland. I don't know why this mm -hmm. is coming to me. When they, you know, switch over all their lights and they turn on the Christmas season or whatever. It's yeah. like all at night, everybody descends. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. You yeah. do it really fast while nobody's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you tried all those workers, you tried to do that with all those workers while the guests were in the park. And it would be chaos, right? Mm. People couldn't find their rides. Uh, the workers couldn't get to, you know, take down the big things they need to take out down and bring in the big trucks to bring in the big Christmas tree or whatever mm. at Disneyland. You need that to be timed right. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very interesting. <laughs> okay. So talk to me about optimized sleep. Mm -hmm. We, it literally can kill you mm -hmm. if you don't get it. Mm -hmm. So how do we make sure that we're not just getting it, but we're really getting it in the right way, the right amounts? Yeah. How do we prepare? Well, you know, our bodies are built to optimize our own physiology. So if you listen to your body, you'll be all right. Which so few people do, <laughs> so My, few people myself do. included, yes. <laughs> until I really started taking it seriously. Right. Yeah. Um, if you're studying uh, calculus and you're trying to absorb this information and you get overwhelmed with a sense of sleepiness, listen to your body, put your head down on your textbook if you want to mm. take a nap because during that time, your brain is doing what it needs to do, which is start to put these this new information into your schema and build it. And if you deny yourself of that, you won't learn as well. Similarly, if you're feeling sick and you want to go to bed, Go to bed. Um, don't make yourself, don't just take a bunch of pills and make yourself go through the day because that sleep is actually doing what your body needs, which is restoring your immune system and helping it to work well. Similarly, after getting a vaccine, you know, people feel a little sick often and, and want a good night's sleep. Get that good night's sleep because it's been shown that if you don't get a good night's sleep after you get a vaccine, it's 50% as effective, mm. if anything. So, Listen, listen to your body, uh, do what it says to do. Now, I will say uh -huh. there was a time when I was, I don't know, in my early 20s, mm -hmm. where my body told me, stay up later, yeah. stay up later, stay yeah. up later. And it got to the point where I had to set an alarm uh -huh. <laughs> to make a 10 p.m. movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I felt so weird. Yeah. Now, thankfully, my body then told me, uh -huh. yeah, not seeing the sunlight is very weird. Yeah. You need to flip your schedule. And so I went back. But that was really me doing what felt natural. Yeah. And my schedule got pushed back, 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 Well, back. I think that's because you weren't exposing yourself to the outside light in the morning, like when it needs to be. So, so but that means that people can listen to their body and get 
in the wrong place. Yeah. So when we think about sleep hygiene, yeah. when we think about the optimal, mm-hmm. like what you would do with right. your kids to right. make sure that they were on track, yeah. how would you have people shape themselves? Is it yeah. light in the morning? Yeah. Is it going to bed at a certain time? Yeah. And I think, you know, back when we were more agrarian culture, <laughs> that wasn't a problem. I mm. mean, we just couldn't do that much at night. But now we have computers and false lights and all of this stuff. So, yeah, we can wedge ourselves into a, into a bad place. Um, but yeah, get outside in the morning, expose yourself to that outside light. There's nothing stronger than the sunlight, even when it's behind a cloud mm. um, in resetting our circadian system. Does it count if you're looking out the window? It, it, yeah. I mean, just think of in terms of film, you studied film, right? Or you wanted to, you, you know, the light coming through a window is great um, for a camera versus false lights. You have to spend a lot of energy to try and reproduce the same mm. amount of it, of light. So does you know. the light need to um, actually touch your skin? Cause it's my understanding that you do some of the UV light gets bounced back by glass. Mm-hmm. And so that getting outside does yeah. make some difference. I don't know yeah. how much amount, but. you know what getting outside helps for a lot of other things that like converting, um, to vitamin D um, mm. that we can use. Um, but our, the photons, it's actually not UV, it's blue light. Interestingly, 470 um, nanometers, is that what it is? Um, that uh, is the wavelength of that blue light that really activates our, our eyes. And that doesn't get filtered unless we have a blue light mm. filter on our glass. So, um, so yeah. So that still would, yeah. there might be other things, the sun hitting your skin, it mm, matters, yeah. but you're still going to get that yeah. alertness signal just by getting enough blue light yeah. in your eyes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you think it matters like time of day? I've heard Huberman yeah. and other people point out that like light is actually sort of qualitatively different yeah. early in the morning that sends certain signals to your brain. Yeah, it does. Um, so our circadian system is set so that when we see a bright blue light, our circadian says, system says that's morning. Mm. So if you keep yourself indoors all day long and don't go out until the evening, and that's when you get the brightest light, your circadian system says it's morning, um, and it shifts everything so that that becomes your new morning. Your clock gets reset to that light. Is there any difference pre-sunrise, post-sunrise, or it doesn't matter? So... Normally, when you fall asleep at night, say 10 o'clock at night, you get a big surge of melatonin, and that's the hormone of darkness, it's called. Um, if you, at that time, expose yourself to bright light, say you've just flown across the Atlantic, and now what was 10 o'clock at night is now, I don't know, 6 o'clock in the morning, um, your, your brain will reset your clock to that. It doesn't do it all at once. It can't shift six hours at once with it. It needs several days to do that, but it will start switching things so that it says, okay, this is my new morning time. And that's good. We want that, right? We want to be able to inform our brains of what time of day it is and reset that every day. You have your actually own endogenous clock that will free run in absence of any light. 
Um, so if suddenly someone puts you into a cave, you still would have a roughly 24-hour rhythm. It's hmm. generally most often a little more than 24 hours, which is... Which is very interesting. Yeah. I've heard that. It's like 25 yeah. hours or yeah, something. Yeah, not 25. That's a lot. It's, you know, 24.1 to 24.4. Oh, really? That close? Yeah, it's pretty wow. close. But a free-running human will go to bed later and later and later every night. So weird. Just because our clocks are a little longer mm. than the 24-hour rhythm. Hmm. And so it needs to be reset every day. Yeah. Okay. What time should we go to bed? Ah. All right. So say you got up at a good time in the morning, six, seven. Why is that a good time? Uh, Well, I'll say it's a good time just because that's when the sun rises and that's when the rhythm of the earth is usually aligned for Mm. business and other things that you would need to do. Farming, uh, you know, that's when you would be, that's why it's a good time. I mean, actually, if you're a shift worker and you work at night, um, don't go outside in the morning. You want to mm. keep yourself in darkness and just switch your whole circadian rhythm so that you expose yourself to bright light in the evening because that's when your circadian rhythm says, oh, okay, this is morning and I'm going to be alert for the next 16 mm. hours. So Don't shift workers, though, have a higher preponderance of cancer? Yeah, but that's probably because they're incompletely able to do that. So they've not quite switched over. Well, and, and that's often because, unfortunately, shift the shifts of shift work give them you know weekends off Mm. and so then then the weekend they want to be around their family we're social creatures they'll get up in the morning and and so every week your your circadian is going back and forth and back and forth or some crazy shift working jobs will have you four days on and three days off Mm. and um you know it's just that's not good so if you can actually set your whole life to this new time it's fine. It's like you've moved to Europe. I mean, interesting. it's fine. Do, yeah. Now, is there data around that? Because I would be very curious to see how the rates of cancer correlate to the rate, the level of vitamin D. Yeah, uh, there are data. There are data. On- and so it doesn't matter. This is really about if you fully shift your schedule, you're going to be fine. The rates of cancer are no, not elevated anymore. Um, so, right. If you fully sleep, sleep switch your schedule you'll you'll be okay your all your clocks will be aligned hmm. now vitamin d is another question though that's another thing that you know that you get from the sun um you can take supplements though mm. uh, it depends on how well you absorb those particular supplements what else you're taking in your nutrition at the same time and whether it blocks that absorption of vitamin d or not um so orange juice and vitamin d don't go together for some reason, um, in our guts, yeah, milk is fine. Um, mm. Oil, sol- oil soluble things, but water soluble things don't. No good. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I would hypothesize that if you're able to replace everything that, uh, including social connections, uh, mm. with that new schedule. Then Hang out with other shift fine. workers. Yeah, shift have a shift working family. <laughs> Fair. Okay, so we assuming we get up at six or seven, mm-hmm. uh, then we go to bed at. So, um, so the healthy amount of sleep, the healthiest on a population level, is about seven to eight hours. So seven and a half hours to eight hours with an adult. Mm. Children need more. So even teenagers need more. Um, as our brains are developing, we need. There's a lot more. F- demands on sleep that mm. they, they need to um, they need 
But uh, healthy adults, about seven and a half, eight, if you put someone in a quiet, dark room, this is a study done at Wayne State University um, and Henry Ford Hospital by Tim Rears. If you put someone in a semi-darkened, quiet room with nothing else to do, just a bed and them for 12 hours a day for a month, every single day, uh, people will average out, this is on average, to eight hours and 15 minutes mm. of sleep per night. And so you can't even oversleep. You can't just say, okay, there's nothing else to do. I'm just going to sleep for 12 hours. Your body just won't do it. Your just body won't do it. Yeah. You're, it, once your needs of sleep have been fulfilled, you'll mm. wake up. So if you've been sleep deprived, though, you would have a period of time where you'll, you'll sleep have a, a lot, And right? that's what happened in this study. The first mm. week or two of the study, people did sleep quite a lot more, you know, 10 hours of the 12 or, or more, depending on how sleep deprived they were. But once they fulfilled that sleep debt, eight hours and 15 minutes. And again, on average, some people slept a lot less, some people slept a lot more. Um, but on average, it was eight hours and 15 minutes. So, um, so the population-based studies show that if you just ask people in chunks, do you sleep four hours, five hours, six hours, seven, eight, nine, nine plus, those that have the lowest mortality were the ones that, you know, chose the seven o'clock. So, I mean, seven hours, um, eight hours also had low and six hours also had low, but seven around seven was the best mm. for, for these adults. Um, so Does it need to be all at once. Can you break it up? Yeah, I, I, there are a lot of cultures that break it up and they seem to be healthy. Um, they have a nice snap in the middle of the siesta in the middle of the mm -hmm. afternoon, not too late to spoil their sleep that night. Um, and they'll only sleep five or six hours during the during normal the night. night. Uh huh. And then they'll make up with another hour and a half or so during mm. the siesta. And that's fine. That's and is it true that a sleep cycle is about 90 minutes? Yeah. Um, on average, mm. the first sleep cycle is more like, uh, 105 minutes or so 110 and then later in the night they're shorter but mm. on average it's about 90 minutes all right so what happens then if you start pushing your sleep back is there any difference between so if i normally go to bed at 9 p.m mm -hmm. and then one night i go to bed at 11 mm -hmm. p.m is there going to be a problem yeah and does it matter if i just always go to bed at 11, am I going to be fine? Yeah. Again, there's that alignment between circadian and homeostatic drive to sleep. Um, yeah. If you normally go to bed at 11 and wake up at um, seven in the morning, that's a healthy amount of sleep. That's mm. eight hours, right? Um, and and then waking up at seven, that's when you expose yourself to the bright light um, versus those who go to bed at 10 and wake up at six, they're opposed, exposing themselves to brighter light at six. So the alignment between the circadian and homeostatic needs for sleep are different. So, yeah. So that's fine. But pushing, if I miss my normal yeah. bedtime by two hours, mm -hmm. am I creating a problem for yeah, myself? You are creating a problem for yourself because you're misaligning your circadian and homeostatic needs. Mm. Um, and even if I get all, so I normally go to bed at nine yeah. and I get seven hours of sleep. Yeah. I go to bed at 11. I still get seven hours of sleep. Yeah. You're saying just because I switched. Yeah. What, what so is I, that knock on effect? Well, so, so, so say normally you wake up at six and you did that morning, wake up at six, but now you're going to bed at, I don't know what is say 10 to 6, mm -hmm. 11, uh, you could say you go to bed at midnight um, that night, two hours later, you, um, your 
circadian rhythm is set to release your melatonin at the normal time, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And mm -hmm. um, once you're nicely asleep and it starts building up before that. Um, and so it's trying to do that, but you're still awake and you've got lights exposed. Mm. And, and so your melatonin release has been dampened. And then when you go to bed two hours later, you're already past that peak of your, when your clock says, you know, let's release this melatonin. And so your sleep will be missing that and you will miss all that growth hormone surge and all of that. That's why my wife says, no matter what time I go to bed, I wake up at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that makes sense because she's doing it as a one-off. Because yeah. what will end up happening, my wife, I will a little bit, my wife more than me will stay up quite late on the weekends. Yeah. And so because the rest of the week she's on a normal cycle, yeah. then she's like, oh, I still wake up at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's her clock, her circadian mm. system waking her up. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. So, Okay. To encapsulate, I want to get up at a good time. I want to get light in my eyes. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to be all day. I'm going to be building up the adenosine, mm -hmm. uh, which is going to cue me to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. I want to go to sleep at roughly the same time yeah. uh, because all of my circadian rhythms, clocks, yeah. everything are used to secreting the different hormones and everything at the same time. That's and right. so if I'm awake, like, yeah. hey, you missed your window. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's not like everything just shifts back on a one-off, mm -hmm. but I can mm -hmm. shift my entire schedule if I want to, yeah. but I do need to be getting somewhere around seven hours of sleep for optimal longevity. Yeah. Um, and certainly I will say for optimal performance, if you're not getting sleep, it just feels so lame. Yeah. Oh God, I hate being tired so much. Yeah. Yeah. I do not understand people that chronically sleep deprive themselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That, that's just madness yeah. from where I'm sitting. Yeah, yeah. All right, talk to me. What's the difference between the sexes? Do we have different sleep needs? Do we respond differently to perturbations? Yeah. How does that all work out? Yeah, and it seems to be true in every species we've studied. There are sex differences and the amount and the pattern in which we sleep. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Tied to hormones or what's causing that? Well, you know, yes, in in... So children, as far as I know, the studies that I've, you know, they, before their hormones kick in, they sleep about the same and their sleep needs are about the same. Once your hormones start kicking in, um, especially cycling hormones, they definitely affect, well, so much, um, including when we are sleepy and how much sleep we need. So as we cycle, as women cycle through the monthly cycle, um, there will be times when sleep is more elusive, and that's probably adaptive and hmm. a good thing. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Maybe seek, <laughs> seeking a mate. I don't know. <laughs> you know there are He's things. fast asleep, by the way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, or, you know, preparing a nest or whatever it is. That, that is yeah. so interesting because <laughs> mm -hmm. it's across all animals. Yeah. I'm very surprised by that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, even it, flies. It, really? Yes. <laughs> Whoa. Man, I, uh, <laughs> I don't have a hypothesis for that one. So, you, does, male, male flies take more naps. Really? <laughs> yeah. If they're already like getting more. more consistent sleep, why would they take more naps? Well, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It probably has something to do with the reproductive cycle and hmm. all the other things a female's body has to do um, in order to prepare the and next she needs generation. To be awake for that? Or, you know, it's, it's, it's not like female flies don't sleep. They yeah, sleep, yeah. but there's other things that are going on also demanding their. I've seen attention. some of your, um, 
the talks that you give where mm-hmm. you show people the different slides and this is where they're at and this part of their yeah. hormone cycle. And it seems like there's only one part where they just diverge all mm-hmm. of a sudden quite dramatically. Yeah. What is that part of the cycle? Yeah. And why? What's going? Yeah. Like what's happening? <laughs> we don't know. We don't know why. So um, there's still, there's a lot of people doing hormones and, and sex differences and other people doing sleep and the two fields mm. haven't come together nearly as much as they need to. So, um, yeah, so during that one hormonal phase in rats, which, you know, there's an equivalent in humans as well, um, that's when our progesterone and estrogen levels are, are very high. And, um, that's when we're getting the least amount of sleep. That's when in women, we complain of the most insomnia. But when you, when they do sleep, their sleep is super efficient and really high quality. So, that's when those spindles are aligning themselves across different areas of the brain. That's when our slow waves, which are cleaning our brain, are even bigger in that high uh, hormonal amplitude stage of our cycles. So, um, yes, we're getting less of it, but it's more efficient, which it might be another reason why different people de- need different amounts of sleep is mm. maybe some people's sleep are, is more efficient and doing the job faster than other hmm. people's. We don't know. It's very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Is there any research on a uh, recent mother and how much sleep she gets? Like, does she sleep more lightly? Because I know there are different phases of your sleep. If you try to wake somebody up, they won't wake up. Like yeah. they, uh, I know in REM, they'll incorporate noises. Yeah. I've heard you say that kids will actually sleep through fire alarms. Yeah. Like loud fire yeah. alarms. Yeah. Um, what do we know about that and sex differences? Is there anything? Yeah, there? Uh, not much, especially when you're talking about new mothers. <laughs> Woefully small amounts of data. Um, there's a lot of things that we don't know. For example, the cerebellum, which is beneath our thalamus. It's... Um, so we don't have that thalamic gate of consciousness in our cerebellum. It learns. It's a really strong learning machine. And it might be able to help us wake up even with small noises that are relevant to mm. our survival or our offspring survival. So um, that might be why some people, um, most people, parents, are lighter sleepers because their cerebellum is attuned to the noises that their baby is making. Mm. Um, and that's good. That's adaptive, right? You you want that. Um, not waking up when the fire alarm goes off, though, is right? not super adaptive. No, what, what's uh, that's there? children. Adults will. And so, but again. Isn't that super dangerous for well, a kid? Like, from an evolutionary standpoint, you're yeah, out in the Serengeti. You're are, not chilling in a house. Kids are very helpless in many, many ways, right? Mm. So it is our, our job as parents to be the ones to wake them up and carry them out of the burning house, right? Um, wow. Yeah, but they have. So they have nature's been, just like, all right, you, you can stay knocked out. I'm going to do the things I need to do. I know your parents are going to snatch you up. Yeah, We're all good. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Is that preserved across species that young species, ones are way harder to wake up? Um. Yeah. Yeah. The ones that, hmm. you know, social species. Interesting. Like rats, for example, too. Yeah. It's the same so way. it really might be tied to, you know, that somebody else is going to be looking out for you when you're in infancy. Yeah. And on, wow. well, it's, it's, it's not so much a confidence thing as there are some really important things going on, essential things that are going on in your brain when you're developing. So, so it's worth rolling the dice. It's, it's worth it. You kind of have to in order for your brain hmm. to be continuing to develop and incorporating all the differences in the world. We, you know, we're born into such different environments. Some of us 
are born with a silver spoon in our mouths. Some of us are born super poor on the dirt and um, have to walk miles to get water. Mm. Um, so we really need to be able to adapt to the environment in which we're born and the bodies which we're born with. So, you know, some people are born without limbs. You know, you really don't want to dedicate whole big portions of your brains to a limb that doesn't exist, right? Instead, you want to repurpose it for something else. De during development, we are incorporating the world that is actually around us into our brain and maximizing its efficiency. Mm. So, um, so that happens through sleep. I just talked about, you know, how we restructure our schema through sleep, and that's happening in spades when we're developing.